Okay, for, for those of you who have one of these, a phone or whatever, isn't it amazing to think about? Maybe, you've, maybe you're young and you have a phone. You don't realize how far these have come. I think about the fact that I hardly ever talk on this thing anymore. Does everybody think, think about that? I mean, I, I don't use it that much to actually talk comparatively for the other things that I use it for now. And I never knew I needed to take so many pictures of the food I was eating until they put phone cameras there available. But when you think about it, what's, what's something, like, let's just think about it on the count of three. Call out what's something that's on your phone that you're, you're like, I'm so thankful that that's on there. You ready? One, two, three. Mario Kart, okay? Anybody? <laughs> Games, man, those, those are fun, too. No, I'm just kidding on this. But there is something that I, I was thinking about my phone until I was getting ready uh, all the time that I didn't realize how much I used on it until I was getting ready uh, for things this week. And and here it is. You ready? That. Anybody else do that? I didn't know I needed a flashlight with me all the time until I had a flashlight with me all the time. Only for the flashlight, but sometimes to take a picture and to blow it up so I can see it a little bit bigger. Sometimes, but it's, it's amazing that a little bitty flashlight, and I've always been amazed that this little bitty dot on the back of my camera, when it is pitch dark outside, you put that thing on, and it's like, whoa. And just a little bit of light ch- changes everything, especially when you're stumbling around in the dark. And so this idea of light is something that John is writing about in 1 John. And the reason that he's writing about this in 1 John, just to kind of back us up a little bit, is, is this is our sermon series called Clearly Jesus. And we need to be able to see Jesus clearly for who he is if we're going to have fellowship with him, if we're going to walk with him, if we're going to have the kind of li- life that he desires for us to have. So what was happening when John wrote this letter in his time is that there were people who were confused about who Jesus was. And these were even people who were going to the church and they were part supposedly of the fellowship of the believers, but the people who were following Jesus were starting to kind of splinter off and you know, some were walking away from the faith and some were saying some weird things about the faith. And so John said, look, we, we need to get this idea of who Jesus is clearly set in front of you because here's this underlying truth that John is giving us in his book. And he's, he, I'm paraphrasing it. He's kind of getting this truth out. If you clearly understand the Jesus that I know, the one that I walked with, the one that I, I was physically present with, if you begin to understand everything about him, there's no way that you walk away from him. There's no way that you don't choose to follow him and let him guide you in everything that you're going through in this life. And so throughout the book of 1 John, he, he just builds up a picture of the person of Jesus. And he also lets us know about who God is in relationship to Jesus and how he deals with us. And so today we see this idea of light. So beginning in 1 John chapter 5, this is, I mean, sorry, chapter 1, verse 5, this is what he says. This is the message that we've heard from Him, him being Jesus, John is referring to the one that I was walking with, the disciple of. This is the message we've heard from him, and now we declare it to you. God is light. 
and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we are lying, and we are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, then we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So John is sharing some, some good news. He's first of all talking about there's some good news that has to do with God and, and who he is. And, and the first part of the good news that he shares is that God is light. God is light. He doesn't say God is like light. He doesn't say God is in light or, or God can be light. He says God is light. And there's something significant to that. He says, this is the message we've heard from him, being Jesus, and we declare to you, God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. Now, we're just going to let that sit with you for just a minute, but I want you to begin to think about, well, why would we need to know that God is light? What significance is this, that, that God is light? Well, there's, there's two, two parts in John's book that he's really honing in on. The first part is God is light. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, he's talking about all these things center around this understanding that God is light and in him there is no darkness. When he gets to chapter 4, he, he shifts gears a little bit and he starts to understand something else. He starts to present something else about God and that is this, that God is love. Okay? God is love. First John four sixteen, he says, and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. So there's kind of this two big picture things about God that, that John writes about in his book in this context of people being confused about who Jesus is or how I'm supposed to follow him or what's the significance of this. The first one, God is light. Let me just say it this way. We do, and everything light he sees everything that we do and everything that we have done. And yet we're still invited to walk in that light. But it says that in, in then is this dark spot in, you know, in, the, in the things of God. So how does that work? He says, well, it's the blood of Jesus that covers our sin and allows us to walk in fellowship with God. So we, we have this picture that God is light. And let's just be honest with, with ourselves um, if you just think about light, sometimes we have a love-hate relationship with light. Sometimes we, we're just so thankful for the light when it shows up. Sometimes we're glad that it exposes things. Sometimes we're glad it helps us to see. 
Sometimes, maybe you're like me, our bedroom is on the east side of our house. We have no curtains on that side. Sometimes the light shows up about 6.30 in the morning, and I really didn't want to see it then. You know, and you're like, I don't like the light right now. I wish there was no light so that I could continue to sleep and, and do things. So sometimes the light shows up even in our spiritual life, and it, it exposes some things, and it does some things that we would be honest to go, yeah, I'm not real happy that the light's here right now. So light sometimes causes trouble for us. Light sometimes puts us in an awkward position. You know, I, we said this in our Bible study class. It's funny. You know, I'll get up in the middle of the night and, and you know, go to use the restroom. I walk by the big old mirror, but it's dark. I look great. You know what I mean? I just get out, roll out of bed, walk by, use the restroom, walk by, walk by twice. I'm like, you look good. That's great. You know, you know why I say that? Because there's no light. I get up in the morning, I flip the light on, I go, we got work to do before we go out in public. You know what I mean? It's like, whew, light shows you some things. And you may be walking around in darkness thinking everything is fine, but you start putting that in the light a little bit and you begin to go, I don't know that this is so great. So as good as light is, sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, light brings us to a place where we go, I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with this. And this is the sin that is being talked about. We're going to come to that in a minute. But God is light. He sees everything that we do, everything that we have done. He shows us the way. He exposes things. God is light. And if John would have left it there, we may live in fear of God. We may just want to walk away from him and go, I don't know that I want to get close to God because, man, he's just going to see everything that I've done. It's going to expose everything that I've done. And I don't know that I'm going to want to be around this because that's just going to make me uncomfortable. But that's why John turns the corner later and he also says that God is love. God is love. The one who remains in love, we have come to know and to believe the love God has for us. God is love. The one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. You see, God loves us so much that he wants us to have the life that he because we. And so since there is no darkness in God, though, there's a problem. Because we can't have fellowship with the light, because as long as we have sin in our life, we are living in the dark. And so that's what separates us and keeps us from having this relationship with God. But instead of judging us or condemning us or dismissing us, God instead sends Jesus to die for us so that we can then have the life that he wants for us. We have that verse, John 3, 16. You might not even be familiar with church, but you might have heard this verse. It says that, I'm just ready to do Romans 5, 8, and I just got stuck right there with, that, that one. And so now I'm blending them all together. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. And Romans 5, 8 is similar to it. It says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So both of those things acknowledge that there's a problem, there's something, there's some reason that Jesus had to come and die for us. There's something that's separating us from God. There's a reason that we can't live in the light, even though we may want to, and that reason is very clear. It's sin. Now, this is the part where we all look awkwardly straight ahead at the pastor and we don't look at anyone else because we don't like to deal with sin. But here's the truth. It's a problem for all of us, every single person in this room has to deal with their sin. 
And we would like to think that, well, the way I deal with my sin is I, I give my life to Christ. And once I give my life to Christ, then I'm done dealing with sin. <laughs> Sorry. It's not how it works. Sin is going to be something that we have to deal with the rest of our life here on this earth. It is something that we all deal with. But if you're going to walk in the light, if you're going to understand the life that God has for you, you first have to express and realize and come to grips with the fact that I can't get there on my own. I can't get there on my own because of my sin. It's not a word that we like to talk about in today's world. We like to, we like to just, you know, use different words for it or say, well, you know, I, I struggle with some things or, you know, there's some stuff I have problems with. We don't like to go, yeah, I sin. You know, I sin all the time, and, you know, I sin with this, and I sin with that. It, we, we don't like to think about it that way. We would rather look at it comparatively and pray that God grades on a curve, right? We would just like to look at it and go, if I can just be a little bit better than this person and make it to this half of the class, maybe we'll push things forward, and I'll just kind of scoot on into heaven. And that's how this is going to work. But it's not how it works. Because every one of us can think of someone immediately right now that right or wrong, we would go, yeah, I'm better off than that person, or I'm getting, I'm getting things better. God and I are in better shape than I can think of that he would be. And we can probably also think of someone that we go, well, I can never be like that person or whatever. So this comparison game never, never works. So it's something that we each personally have to deal with. And, and if, we, if we come to it in this comparison way, we, we sometimes lose the ability to deal with it within our own heart in our own way. Parents, you can't deal with your kids' sin. Kids, you can't deal with your parents' sin. You can't deal with your spouse's sin. You can't deal with you. It's you and God, and you have to deal with this. And you first have to acknowledge that it's a problem if you're ever going to deal with it. Because if you somehow think that, well, I can be good enough or, or better than this person, and this is going to be good, then you're ignoring everything that John's saying right here. The wrong attitude would lead us to ignore the issue of sin. And the truth is, unless you're perfect, and no one is, you cannot be in fellowship with God. That's what John is saying. God is light. There's no darkness within him. So the standard that God has for us all is perfection. And we have to come to grips in dealing with our sin. Well, what keeps us from dealing with it sometimes? Why is it something that's so difficult for us to deal with sometimes? Not that we should, do we deal with it in a bad We all have to deal with it. So what is it that we need to do? And why sometimes do we deal with it in a bad way? Well, what does it look like when we handle it without God in our life? Well, the first thing that we tend to do with our sin is instead of dealing with it, we just like to hide it, right? I just hide it. That way, if nobody sees it and nobody talks about it and I don't ever talk about it again or we don't ever bring it up, I don't ever have to deal with it. And we're just going to kind of leave it alone and nobody touch it and don't go in there and let's not talk about these things and then we're good, right? Well, no, we're not. And do you realize that one of the very first things that happened in mankind when we sinned is that it began to make us have the desire to hide from God? If that doesn't give us the clearest picture of how detrimental sin is in our relationship with God, I don't know what is. Because we see in the garden, when God had created the world in all of its perfection, and he said it was good, and he created man, and he created woman, and he put us there, and he said, all this is yours to go and subdue the earth. Just, just don't do these, don't walk over here, don't go over here. What do we do? Oh, I like this over here. We went and we sinned. 
And then because we sinned, it separated us from God. And what's the first thing that happened? Look at Genesis 3, 8. God shows up again. It says, then the man and his wife, after they had sinned, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. You see, the first thing that we like to do when we sin is just kind of hide it from ourselves, hide it from anybody else, and try to hide it from God. And that is such an enormous picture of how sin affects our relationship with God. Before this, man and woman and God were walking in the garden, and when God showed up, it was a good thing, and we all like to be around. And now God shows up, and we're like going, I'm just going to go over here. I don't want to be around this anymore. Why? Because God is light. And when the light shows up, we don't look as good as we thought we did when we walked by that mirror the first time because now the light is showing something different. And so we hide our sin and we convince ourselves that no one else will ever know or that I'm the only one that really has to deal with this or I'm the only one that's ever done this. And so it's kind of embarrassing to share this with other people. But let me just say it this way. While our sin may all manifest itself in different ways and bring about different consequences, I'll just tell you something. The core issues are quite similar. You never find out that you're not alone as long as you keep hiding your sin. But when we do the things that John is saying here, when we bring things into the light and when we appropriately find the way to deal with them, because we're not going to have confession time with an open mic at the end of the service, so you can take a big breath on that. But when we find a way to come to grips to say, God, here's the areas in my life that I'm struggling with. Here's where I fell short. Here's where I sinned this week. Help me to deal with this and move on. That's when we begin to have power. We put something out on the table in the light and say, let's deal with this. But as long as we keep hiding it and we keep covering it and we keep running from it, it never gets dealt with and it eats us away and it separates us from God and you're never able to walk in the light until you deal with it. The way that you deal with it is you bring it to the light. You see, but sometimes we don't even bring it to the light or we don't try to hide it because we just try to rationalize it, right? I just rationalized my sin. Well, it says in Genesis 3, 12, this is one of the great ones. The man replied, it's the, the woman, the woman you gave to be with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it, so it's not my fault. So I, I didn't do it, she did it. So if you're gonna get mad at anyone, God, you can't be mad at me because she's the one that did that. Or you hear maybe these phrases in our culture, well, everybody does this. You know, I don't know why it's a big deal. The Bible probably didn't say anything about it because, you know, Jesus doesn't think it's a big deal now, you know, because everybody in the culture is now doing this. You know, that's when you go to the famous, well, if everybody's jumping off a cliff, would you? well, it depends. If there's water down, I don't know. I'll jump off a cliff or not. Sorry, back in here. Everybody does this. It's not a good rationalization. Culture has changed since the Bible. That's not a good rationalization. Well, it's no big deal. I'm not hurting anyone. It's not my fault. Well, God's the one that made me this way. He knows, you know, all this. There's all kinds of rationalizations in our culture that we all do. You see, here's the other problem about preaching about sin sometimes is that we all like to go, yeah, that person really needs, I know three people in my life that need to hear this about sin right now. And we tend to just kind of look outward on this instead of looking at our heart. Because the, re the reality is, is that we all have trouble bringing these things into the light. Try to rationalize it. Or then we just flat out try to deny it. We, we actually lie about our sin. So we sin to cover our sin. You get that one? Two wrongs don't make a right here. 
John, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We just lie to cover it up. You see, it's, it's tough sometimes because we know if we're, if we're dealing with things that we think that we have this picture that somehow God's just going to be mad at me or God's just going to condemn me or God's just going to hate me with this or, man, I, I don't want to deal with the consequences with this or it's easier just to ignore it all. We, we miss out on getting the life that God has for us because we refuse to deal with our sin. We refuse to just come to grips and say, this is what happened and now I need some help with this. Some of you that know me have heard me share this story before, but I, I just think it's a, a great picture of this. Um, I was a young driver. I may have been driving less than a year. And uh, I guess because I was the youngest child, you know, my parents had been through that before. So I, I was able to, to do a lot of things that maybe my older siblings weren't able to do. Perhaps they had beaten my parents down enough that they just were like, oh, we don't care anymore. Just go do these things. We're, we're, all, we're all right. But I was a young driver, and I had driven to the softball game. I dropped my friend off at his house after the softball game, and I was getting ready to come back to my house. And we had one of those good Texas thunderstorms come through, roll through town, you know, the kind that just come out of nowhere and it can't drain fast enough. And on the road to my house, um, and I'm thinking, no problem, I'll be able to make it road in a drainage ditch on one side and a drainage ditch on the other. And I'm thinking, no problem, I'll be able to make it home. Well, I turn onto that road, and it is a blacktop drain. It's a blacktop road, and it's covered on both sides with black water from the drainage ditch. And it's dark, so all I've got are these little bitty headlights coming out. And I think that I am driving on the right side of the road. Or actually, I think I'm driving in the middle of the road. I apologize. I think I'm driving in the middle of the road because I'm trying to stay this car by. All of a sudden, I see a car coming the other way, and I think. I need to get over to the right to let this car by. And so as I began to get over to the right, I realized I was already over to the right because the water had covered the road. And as I entered into the ditch, and it was a significant drainage ditch, here are the things that I remember. I remember water starting to come into the car. It's already up to about my knees. It's coming up to my thighs. I remember the, the vividly the radio going and sparking and me going, well, that's not good. I remember my basketball shoes floating by and me thinking, oh, Air Jordans, they really do float. I remember that going through my head at the time. And then I remember, I got to go tell dad. I'm sitting in the car, sparks flying, shoes floating, water filling up, and what comes to my mind is, I got to go tell dad. So I sat in the car contemplating this as it's filling up until I got to the point where like, I probably need to get out of the car. But I didn't want to get out of the car because I didn't want to go tell dad. Because I didn't want to go tell dad because I didn't want to go tell dad. You know what I mean? And I'll never forget this. And to give some context, now my dad, um, once he retired, he was a pastor. But before he retired, he worked 28 years for a trucking company. And part of his job was dealing with wrecks and other things like that and writing reports and all this stuff. So he had seen a lot of things. And uh, so I remember... Uh, I, I literally hopped out of the car, onto the roof, onto the trunk, and onto the road. And the car that I had gotten over for stopped, and he drove me home soaking wet. And I walk into the house, and Dad's sitting watching TV, and I remember going, Dad, 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 Dad. And he looked around, yeah, son, what? And I said, I drove my car in a ditch. And I'm, so he just went, 
okay, let's go get it. You know, and I'm, I'm flinching the whole time. You know what I mean? You're just like, hmm, what's coming? Hmm. And, you know, my dad didn't beat me or anything. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm just scared of this. And so we, we go and we get in the car, and I'll never forget this. We, we pull up to the thing, and at that point, everything else is underwater. And dad starts to lack car and the taillight sticking out. That's all that was left. Everything else is underwater. And dad starts laughing. And I'm like, it snapped something in his brain, and I don't know what's about to happen in this car. Because that's not the reaction you think you're going to get. And he just starts laughing. But at home, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. Next day, nothing. Next day, nothing. Finally, you know, I'm just like, okay. All right, dad. You have said nothing. There have been no punishment, no consequences, no long extended lectures on driving in the rain or, I mean, just nothing. And I'll never forget this. My dad looked at me and he said, well, I just got to tell you something. He said, when you said you drove the car in the ditch, you know, I didn't know what to expect. He said, and I pulled up and I saw that car and he said, and I, I just realized, and he said, you have no idea how dangerous the situation you were in. You have no idea. He said, I pulled up and I immediately realized how quickly you could have died. And he said, all I could do is laugh and be thankful that you were still sitting in the car with me. He said, so we can deal with this other stuff, but we can't make another you. And so we'll deal with this other stuff. And I think you've learned your lesson. And I, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I'll never forget that because it was like everything that I was expecting about this, all of my fears for putting these things into the light, for owning the mistakes that I had made and for doing that were all totally different when I actually did it because the Father loved me and was glad that I was there. And I think that's why John writes in his really real with light. And we have a sin problem that we need to deal with. And we need to get really real with dealing with our sin problem. Because sin is keeping us from having the relationship with the Father that we want and He wants. And the longer we hide from it, and the longer we rationalize it, and the longer we deny it, and it's not out in there in the light, then we don't get it. Because what we realize is that when we bring our things to the Father, oh, there's still consequences. I hear is that God is love and He wants a right relationship. We had to deal with in it. But ultimately, that this picture here is that God is love and he wants a right relationship with us and he wants us to be in this right relationship as well. And so I'll just, I'll just never forget that. When we lie to cover our sin, when we deny it, two wrongs aren't going to make it right. And why John is pointing out the fact here that we first have to deal with our sin because God is in the light is because sin is keeping us from experiencing the life that God has for us. And so when John writes these words and he says, if we say we have no sin... We're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Because what he's saying is this. The bottom line is if we have no sin, then we have no need for Jesus. He's saying if you as a believer can't come to God and say, I need a Savior because I have sin and I still deal with sin, what you're saying is, well, I haven't really, I'm not as bad as this person and I don't deal with these things and this is good, then what you're doing is you're belittling the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross and you're saying, well, God, you really didn't have to do that for me, but I'm glad you did it for everybody else. So he's saying you first have to come to grips with the fact that you have something that you need to deal with and the way that you deal with it is you bring it to Jesus and here's what happens when you do. We have an advocate 
with the Christ for our sins, and not only for a righteous one, he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. God's standard is perfection, and though we can't make it there on our own, Jesus Christ fills the gap for us. And what we should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers in him, is striving to live and walk in the light. How should I live? I should walk in the light. And as I walk in the light, what is happening is those times where I fall short of everything that God wants for me called sin, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and allows me to having to fill the gap light. But what I should strive for is that Jesus is having to fill the gap for me less and less as I continue to walk closer to the light. But yet some of us have a struggle taking advantage of the grace of God. And we just say, well, my sin's no big deal. Jesus died on the cross for me, and I'm forgiven, and I can live how I want. That's called walking in the darkness. That's called taking advantage of the grace of God. And we don't get the life that he wants for us because we don't deal with life how we're supposed to, which is, God, here's who I am. You already know it. And while I'm already a sinner, you already sent Christ to die for me, so I should just be able to live free in the light and walking with him. You just stop for a minute. I'm going to ask you to do something. Stop and close your eyes for just a minute. What would it be like for you to live free? What's it going to take? What are the things that you're scared of putting in the light and letting God deal with? Because God is love. And he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to deal with whatever it is that you're struggling dealing with. Now look at me. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship not only with God, it says, but with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we will choose to walk in the light... And let God deal with the things that are in our heart. Not only does it give us a restored and right relationship with God, it helps us in our relationships with others in this world as well. And we continue to walk striving to reach that perfection that he desires for us, but understanding that every time we fall short, Jesus is there cheering us on as our advocate. And so here's what I'll close this up with. Just this one. I have no reason and every reason to follow Jesus. I have no reason to hide and every reason to follow Jesus.